I wanted to take time today, Veterans Day, to honor two people buried in Arlington National Cemetery. My parents. My father served in the Air Force from 1957 to 1968, and then the Air National Guard until the late 1990s. He asked to be laid to rest in Arlington. It was in his last will and testament, and my mother jumped through so many hoops to ensure his wishes were respected. I found out how many hoops she had to jump through when I had to jump through the same ones after she passed away. I ensured she was laid to rest with him. It's not easy to have a spouse who didn't serve in the military buried at Arlington, and I can't tell you how close it came to not actually happening. (laughs) But she's there. They're together. I wrote a piece about my father's work in the military that I have yet to record because I need more time with it before I'm ready to share it. It's my mom I want to talk about today. I want to say a few words about why she's buried in a military cemetery and why that's appropriate. In an email I wrote to someone yesterday about my decision to switch from a Master of Science to a Master of Arts degree, I said, I've decided my greatest asset is not what I can contribute to science, but to the arts. Much as I wish I could be like my father, I know I would not have the strength in my voice if not for him. But I definitely inherited my mother's mouth. Lord help us all. (laughs) What I mean by that is that my father was a man of integrity. And it took a man of integrity and metal to be married to a woman who said whatever the hell she wanted, whenever she wanted. There is this wonderful letter exchange between the two of them that I have written about in one of my gestures of good faith essays, wherein he encourages her to tell him to go to hell whenever he intimidates her. I think she took him up on it for the following 30 odd years. I'm not the kind of inspirational writer who sugarcoats things. I write my truth and expose things to make people think. There's no fawning here. That's not everyone's cup of tea, but that's my genetic mix. I'm the daughter of two warriors. I'm going to share a letter that I received from the Air Force chaplain who performed her burial service. I might cry, so just bear with me as I read it. Dear Amy, I extend to you and your family my deepest and heartfelt condolences on the loss of your mother, Carol Ann Crewalt. It was my privilege to serve your family as we honored your mother's life. Carol left a wonderful legacy of service alongside your father. It is fitting that she is laid at last to rest here with him among our nation's heroes. I pray your many cherished memories of your mother and the tender compassion of the Lord will comfort you and your family in the days to come. Thank you for your trust and confidence in our Air Force to care for your family and provide the dignified service that she so richly deserved. 
Please know that we are remembering you as we honor and preserve her legacy here at Arlington. Very respectfully, Richard S. Baye III, Chaplain, Lieutenant Colonel, U.S. Air Force. And Chaplain, thank you so much. I can't describe how comforting he was during her service to me personally, to my son, and I know to the rest of my mother's family. The reason why I wanted to read that letter, I don't think I've actually shared it with anyone um, since I received it. But especially why did he say that it was fitting that my mother be laid to rest among the nation's heroes? You'd have to know Carol. I'm going to read now the short eulogy that I wrote for her burial service at Arlington on May 19th, 2022. The sound wasn't really working during the service anyway, so no one actually heard it then. So probably best it actually gets read. My mother was the first disability advocate I knew. She understood and embraced the motto for inclusion people with disabilities fight for every day. Nothing about us without us. She also understood that a disability is not a defect. It's something that gives anyone license. It's not something that gives anyone license to infantilize a person or consider them less than whole. She respected the entire person and sought to work with their abilities. One of her greatest skills was seeing what a person could do and focusing on their strengths. When she was approached by a parent wanting piano lessons for a child with a differently developed arm and hand, she exuberantly accepted the student. She worked with him to find a suitable repertoire to fit his ability. When she was directing a children's choir, a sibling of a child in the choir had a hearing impairment and felt unable to participate. She determined that he was able to hear the beat of a drum, so she gave him one to play with the choir. And finally, when she taught special education, she had non-speaking students or students who communicated differently in her classroom who were assumed to be unable to comprehend. Students like my daughter, a minimally, unreliably speaking autistic. My mother was the one who saw through their silence, their repetition, their distress and overwhelm. She gave them schoolwork at their appropriate grade level to stimulate their intellect, quickly seeing they were quite capable of doing the equivalent work of their typical peers. She tried as hard as she could to work for a system that did not work for her or her students. 
thanks to my being able to observe her perception and instinctive advocacy. Her granddaughter, Alice, is using augmentative and assistive communication, as well as teaching herself how to code programming languages on her iPad. My mother recognized everyone's ability and that everyone deserved a chance to have their voice heard, even if that voice spoke in ways we are not used to hearing. She has left a powerful legacy of advocacy and activism for those who need their voices amplified. Thank you, Mom, for always including us, the ones who are different. I don't know how I got through speaking it, but I did. I have realized more lately than ever, my mother was a true inclusion specialist. What made her brilliant was she went from growing up in Woodsboro, Texas, little tiny town in the South, to becoming an internationally renowned piano teacher who always had her door open in Frederick, Maryland. She grew. She learned. She didn't start out being open-minded. She didn't start out being inclusive. I can tell you some hair-raising stories of a Carol Crewald a lot of people wouldn't recognize. But what made her different is that she learned from her mistakes. She listened to others. Her heart listened. Her compassion kept her growing and evolving. She was always open to learning something new, talking to someone new, and recognizing when she was wrong. She was eager to learn from others. Every piano lesson I had until I was a teenager, she would go with me with her notebook, writing everything down. When we'd go to international piano competitions, she'd absorb all these languages and non-speaking cues with fascination, so ready to learn more about everyone in the world who wasn't like her who had a different background, who looked different, spoke different, acted different. She was intently curious, and it was beautiful. As a teacher, she was embraced by so many people from other cultures who walked through her door, fought for her, stood by her, and were there for her more than her own family. She called her students her family, and they absolutely were. <laughs> I'm headed to go have dinner with one of her former students this evening. I stay in touch with them still. She united people from all walks of life. Which is not to say she didn't have hard boundaries, because she did. If you crossed the line with her, you'd get a tongue lashing that wouldn't quit. But you never left her heart.
Several months ago, when I thought I was moving, I prayed to God and the spirits of those who have passed before me to help guide me to do whatever I need to do in Connecticut before I moved. About an hour later, I received a message from someone I hadn't heard from since I was a teenager. My sister, Jana. I won't go into all the details because some things just need to remain private. (laughs) But for a long time, Jana wasn't in communication with any of us, including my parents. I had my reasons for not being in contact. So I almost didn't open the message. But when you go through a lot of therapy and such, you look at things differently. All I can say is, I'm so glad that I opened the message. It was a beautiful story of the first time Jana met my mother. See, Jana was adopted by my father and his second wife. When my dad met my mother at church, my mother had five children from her first marriage, and my dad had two girls from his second marriage. He'd just ended his third marriage when he met my mom, and to quote Jana, he was a hoe. (sighs) But this is the story Jana told me, and I have her permission to share it. I clearly remember walking into a high school classroom and seeing this beautiful woman and instantly feeling drawn to her. As she welcomed me, I sat down beside her while she pulled out a reader called The Purple Turtle. I opened the book and pure terror of being rejected hit me. I quietly sat there for a few minutes while she urged me to do the best she could. She glanced down at the page, and I noticed she had purple eyeshadow. Out of nervousness, I blurted out, Your eyes are like purple turtles. I quickly hung my head, expecting the usual lecture. All adults seemed to give me about how inappropriate my words were. To my surprise, she threw back her head in laughter, hugged my shoulder, and told me thank you. I fell in love. When dad came to pick me up, I told him I found my new mom. He just looked at me with that twinkle he would get when he was amused and told me, I'm trying. (laughs) And then at the end of her message, she said, love you. So that's the story of how I met mom. I don't need you to respond. I just read your blog and it reminded me of that. And I wanted to share it with you. The thing is, I can't think of anything that any of my other relatives have said since my mother died. (laughs) Not that I talked to any of them or they talked to me, but that any of them have said, that so perfectly encapsulated my mother's loving, accepting spirit or the love between my parents as that story that Jana told me. We reconnected and have been chatting regularly since. Guess where Jana lives? 
close to Seattle, where I started writing my memoir and found my voice and my true identity. What's more, Jana got to meet her biological mother and discovered that there are autistic connections in her biological family as well. As we chatted, we discovered we're both spiritual people. She told me she's been having dreams that she had been having dreams about our aunt Hattie, dad's older sister. She passed, I think in 2014 in her dreams Aunt Hattie was sitting on our mother's headstone saying to Jana, go talk to Amy. It was just something that kept pressing on her and she felt like she just had to act on it. That and a friend of hers kept pushing her until she did. I believe spirits take care of us. I really do. My mother told me once that she had seriously considered adopting another child after I was born because she was worried about me being all alone. She wanted to have another baby, but my dad went to have a vasectomy as soon as I was born due to my traumatic birth. She knew her children. She knew as much as she tried to make us a family and be inclusive. Once the glue was gone, it would be difficult to keep us together. She was right. After my dad died, things really fell apart. During the time of my mom's death, I spoke a lot about how she did adopt a family for me, her students. But now, I realize her loving nature did so much more. I have what I've always wanted. A sister. Jana has the unconditional love my mother gave her. And Jana has passed it on to me. Yes, there were years of silence between us all for many reasons. But my parents met in a church. And I asked God what I was supposed to do. And there was the message, clear as could be. <laughs> we all have things to learn. My mother was a teacher. She is still teaching us how to love, how to forgive, how to include each other. And that is worth remembering. That is worth honoring. She and my father were a love story for the ages. They are buried with honor in service to their country for different reasons. As their daughters on their on this Veterans Day, we want to share with you what they gave to us. This isn't a Christian program, but I'm leaving you with the verse my parents based their marriage on because it's how they met when my father read it at church. I can't honor them on Remembrance Day without it.
1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Happy Veterans Day. We remember all of those who have served with gratitude. I'm smiling. You just can't see it. <laughs>